0: This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by People Ready. Startup Nation, you have a lot on your plate. The last thing you need to stress about is finding quality staff or the available work you need to be successful. Save time and headache by working with a trusted staffing partner that meets your everyday needs. PeopleReady is a national staffing provider with over 600 locations across the country and 30 plus years of experience serving people just like you. They specialize in a variety of industries including retail, manufacturing, logistics, general cleaning, hospitality, construction, and more. People Ready understands that you're busy and on the go. That's where their mobile app, JobStack, comes in. Use the app to place orders or find work 24/7 or wherever you are. And as social distancing continues to change the way we interact with customers, colleagues, and our everyday lives, JobStack provides the ability to find the right temporary workers or work you need while eliminating the amount of physical touch points needed in the staffing process. Visit peopleready.com forward slash startup life to learn more about how you can partner with people ready. It's time to be about that life, the startup life.
1: Here's your host, Dominic Lawson.
0: All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, as we go forth on our path to entrepreneurship or in our career field, we're always looking to get some of that time back. We're always told that time is a very valuable asset. And sometimes we get kind of addicted to our calendars and stuff like that. But we have the perfect guest to kind of bring us uh, into the light and kind of help us out with that he is a graduate at cal berkeley where he majored in electrical engineering and computer science he also received a master's in business administration he is the former chief information officer at facebook where he helped to become the most productive company In the world. He also says that calendars are stupid. We're going to talk about that a little bit, which is why he also is the co-founder and CEO of Woven, a calendar app that makes shared scheduling much easier, a first step along the way to better managing your time. He is Tim. Campos. T-Camp, how's it going, my man? It's going fantastic. Thanks for having me today. No worries. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today?
2: I am ready. I'm excited about this.
0: All righty. Let's do it. Today, Startup Nation, today's show is brought to you by Light Memphis, or Let's Innovate Through Education. And we have a really special guest, my good friend, Avani Garde is in the building oven. It. How's it going, ma'am?
1: Going well. I'm so glad to be here.
0: All righty. So she's going to help us out uh, with our conversation with Tim today, but Tim, let's get back to you, man. If you would, please, sir, kind of share with us your origin story to who Tim is and what he's all about.
2: All right. Well, uh, so I am, uh, the child of, uh, of, uh, immigrant parents. My father came to this country from the Dominican Republic. Okay. And, uh, he, uh, grew up in New York city and, uh, Big part of his background was, uh, you know, his, his family didn't have a lot of, a lot of money. So the, the focus was education and uh, achieving uh, success through education. And so my father, uh, you know, was able to basically pay his way through college and everything, uh, through scholarship. And that became sort of the backdrop that I, I grew up in. My, my father ended up marrying the, the the daughter of a history professor at cornell university and so my my mother is you know child child of academics my father's an academic and everything became about academics and uh I'll, I'll give you a little secret to my family i'm not the smartest one in the family by a long shot uh, <laughs> my uh uh you know my parents are both brilliant i have an older sister who's just uh, absolutely uh incredible in terms of her level of intelligence. and So I grew up not feeling like I was very smart, um, because I was just surrounded by all these people. And, um, it, it, that was actually kind of difficult for me. And I kind of fell into technology because it was this thing that I, I could control. I really enjoyed taking things apart, um, and seeing how they worked. And, uh, eventually my dad would get mad at me cause I would break everything. So he wanted me to put them back together after I took them apart. And I got into that and, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, eventually as I did that more and more, uh, I realized that I wanted to be an engineer. I really liked building things. And, uh, so that's, that's what sort of motivated my, uh, high school focus with science and math and things like that. And then, uh, into college and and the reason I focused on uh, electrical engineering and computer science. And, uh, uh, that just became my, my love. Um, I was fortunate at the end of my freshman year at UC Berkeley, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for the summer. And I, I got a uh, my my girlfriend at the time who became my wife encouraged me to apply for this internship. Now, the internship was uh, something anyways, cut a long story short. I applied. She kept telling me to follow up with them. And they weren't interested in me, but she, she, the one thing that she did tell me to do is just keep following up, make sure that they got my application, that they uh, made a decision on it. And eventually they called me back and they said, look, please stop calling because we're not going to hire you.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Um, But
2: what happened was uh, a few weeks later, I got a call back from them because they had offered the internship to somebody else who got appendicitis. So they couldn't do the internship. Mm. And by the time they realized this, all the other students had gotten other internships. So I was the top of the list of the people that, uh, were still available because I had been so perseverant and, uh, and reached out to them so much. And, uh, so they called me in for the interview and, and then I, I got the job. That internship never ended. I ended up working, uh, at this company. It was called Sybase. Um, throughout uh, my college career. Uh, at the end of the summer internship, they said, you know, look, we really love what you're doing. We want you to stick around and and we'll, we'll help you pay for school. So um, that's uh, how I paid for a lot of my education. Uh, and I uh, ended up uh, getting a lot of great work experience at the same time, ended up graduating from UC Berkeley with a degree in electrical engineering and three and a half years of work experience at Sybase. And that really launched me uh, in my career. And I've been in technology ever since. And the one other thing about my background that's that's notable is I've always loved business. You know, as a, okay. as a kid, I I uh, you know I had a paper route when I was uh, ten or eleven years old, and and I made a lot of money off this paper route. And and I always had uh, you know I I, I like you know jobs and businesses. I started a you know lawn mowing business and made a lot of money mowing mowing people's lawns and and. Uh, so, you know, and I was working, I was very fascinated not just by how you build technology, but how you sell it and mm. how you make money off of it. And so I paid a lot of attention to those things. And uh with time that got me interested in in the the business side of organizations, which is why I got into IT. Gotcha. Uh, IT is really the use of technology to to achieve a business outcome. And uh that led me ultimately to become the CIO of a company called uh KLA TenCore. And then uh, after a few years, I decided to leave KLA, and and that ended up landing me at Facebook. And there's an interesting story there. I'm sort of skipping over uh, a very interesting thing, which we can drill into if we want to. But uh, that uh, uh, you know started Facebook in 2010, and and spent another almost seven years at just a fantastic, amazing company, helping them to you know, make, make uh, the world more open and connected. And my role in it was to help make Facebook more productive in the process of that. Gotcha. So that's me. I mean, I'm, I'm a technologist that uh, really is because technology is exciting to me because it's something I can control. I uh, love the fusion of technology and business. Um, and I've had a few of these really interesting life moments where a lot of my success isn't because it was preordained, but either because somebody was encouraging me to be perseverant and work hard Um, or, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I did things that were a bit unconventional that ultimately helped me to, uh, achieve some of the success that I have, uh, achieved in my career. I'll stop there. I don't know if that was longer than you needed. No, no,
0: that was my uh, life story. (laughs) No, that was perfect. Thank you for sharing all of that. I want to point out something and ask a follow up question if I could, you know, startup nation, one of the things Tim said, I thought was just very important. You talk about that persistence and the consistency when he was talking about the job, the where he ultimately kind of got a, you know, a a shot at and stuff like that. And I think that's important as we engage in our career and our path of entrepreneurship. But I want to ask you this, because you say you've always liked business and stuff stuff like that. You know, and you had the paper route and you had the mowing you know the mowing business, stuff like that. And you like sales. More than anything, what is one of those things about sales that's true about a lawnmower business, a paper route, or as the co-founder and CEO of Woven? What's one of those things you still hold on to as one of those sales tenants that you use even today?
2: Actually, well, I, 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 uh, I'll take exception to one thing you said. I'm not sure I like sales. Okay, uh, fair I enough. I sales <laughs> very hard, very okay. challenging. But I'll tell you, I'll answer your question. Okay. You can't get what you don't ask for. Fair enough. This is one of the things that salespeople are particularly good at is they are comfortable with the idea that somebody's going to say no. And so they don't mind asking, right? They don't mind saying, hey, do you want to buy my product? No, I don't want to buy it. Well, how about I change the price? No, I still don't want to buy it. Oh, well, tell me what you're interested in. You know, what what would you want to buy? I want to buy something else. Well, let me tell you why my product is, you know, like this something else that you're looking at. And then, they're very, very good at that. And I think one of the things that I have always struggled with personally, I don't like no, right? I mm. I I like it when the answer is yes. But, you know, we have to be comfortable with no. I think some of the best salespeople, really, I don't even think there's limited to sales. I think some of the most successful people in life are willing to accept no. And for me, I've had to be conscious about that. I've had to sort of wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, you know, Today's going to be one of those days I'm going to do something tough and it's going to be hard and I'm going to be willing to accept failure or I'm going to be willing to accept no. But because I do that, it makes it possible for me to get a yes.
0: Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you said that was a very interesting story about how you got the Facebooks. Well, now it's story time, Tim. Let's hear that story. If you want <laughs>
2: <to>. <laughs> well, OK, so I. uh I had become the CIO of this company, KLA Tencore. And uh, I like right. to call KLA Tencore the biggest company that nobody's ever heard of. Okay. Um, uh, biggest company in the Silicon Valley that nobody's ever heard of. Okay, uh, They make equipment uh, that make uh, semiconductors, chips,
0: cheaper. Okay. Yeah. And,
2: you know, the reason why you can buy an iPhone and, uh, uh, you know, for the price that you can is in part because of what KLA Tencore does. So big company, good company. Um, but, you know, after working there for – I was there almost seven years – I just found that it was not the place for me. Um, one, uh, I wanted to learn more about business, but this was not a business I was that interested in. I wasn't that interested in the semiconductor industry. And Two, uh, it's kind of a, it's a very ruthless industry. You have to be willing to, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time cutting jobs and outsourcing and offshoring things. And that just wasn't something that I was getting a lot of personal enjoyment out of. And I found that after a while, it was really eating into my soul. I was not the best version of of me that I I felt I could be. And so I did something that, uh, uh, was very, uh, you know, unconventional at the time. I, I, I quit, you know, and and I, I just said, look, I'm ready to go do something else. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I didn't want to do what I was doing and I needed to sort of have a fresh pair of eyes. So I, I did what I call career skydiving. I had confidence in myself. I knew that I would be able to get a job. Right. Um, now I quit in August of 2000 or maybe it was October of 2008. And, you know, as an executive, you don't leave right away when you, when you quit, you, you want to have an orderly transition. So it, it actually ended up taking nine months for me to leave the company. Gotcha. So I, I ended up walking out the door in the middle of 2009. Now, if you go back in time, that is one of the worst times. Yeah. This country has seen in terms of it was a financial crisis right. and, you know, uh, who we're, we're going to find out soon if what we're going through right now is is worse than that was. But, uh, you know, the uh, it, it was not a good time to not have a job and to walk away from a perfectly good executive role seemed really crazy. And a lot of people thought I was nuts. But what I did is I went back to business school. This is when I went to uh, get my MBA. Uh, that both, uh, helped me sort of refresh my brain, helped me focus on learning. One of the best investments one can ever make is in themselves. Mm. I met a bunch of new people, people who became really close friends, people who became my co-founder, people who became just very important parts of my life. Right. You know, that, and that also gave me the space to start thinking about what I wanted to do next. And that's when Facebook came along. Got you. And had I not quit KLA Tenko, had I not taken that risk and you know spent the time focusing on myself, I don't think I would have been even in the running, even consideration um, for Facebook. And they may not have even been able to find me because. I would have been so focused doing a job I didn't like. It. So that's how I ended up getting to uh, Facebook. And it, and I think the, the thing that I like to impart on people is that, you know, career progression is not a straight line. It's not like you started a company and you just get promoted and eventually you become the CEO. That happens, but it's rare. Um, sometimes you got to take a step back in order right. to take a step forward.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that because you're absolutely right. A lot of times we get so inundated with the everyday grind and stuff like that that sometimes we forget to kind of step outside of that thing we're doing to kind of get a, a a broad, you know, a bird's eye view of everything's going on. And then when uh, sometimes when you do that, like, you know what? Maybe it's time for something different. Maybe it's time for something new. So I appreciate you sharing that, Tim. Yeah.
2: you know, uh, You have to be able to see the forest through the trees. For sure. And uh, I think that's one of the, the biggest mistakes I see in uh, people that are close to me that I care about is that it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing and not take a step back and ask the question, why? Uh, why am I doing this? And is this accomplishing what I want to? Whether it's for me or for the team or for the organization or for the company or for the world, um, that, uh, that that why is actually really important. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, you know, Tim rose the ranks and became, you know, their Facebook, the chief information officer of Facebook, where he doubled overall productivity to one point eight million dollars per employee, making it the most productive company in the world, and so obviously, you know, if you're in the C-suite, you get to hang out with a, a certain famous founder that we all know and love, Marcus Zuckerberg. So, what are some of those things that you kind of you know learn from him, seen from him as a leader uh, of Facebook? Yeah, you know, one of right. the things, uh,
2: and and I think I can even tie it to what's going on today. That right. I. I learned about Mark. You'll hear me call him Zuck. That's how we refer to him inside the company. You know, it's uh, funny
0: you mentioned that I was going to refer to him as Zuck. Cause I just feel like that's something you would call Mark Zuckerberg if you knew him. Right. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, there are a couple of things about him
2: that, that, uh, um, I, you know, I, I learned and, and then I admired about him. One, one is that, uh, you know, he's a very uh, principled leader. So okay. a principled leader you know, and they kind of have like a, a formula for how they make decisions.
0: Absolutely. And it,
2: and, it's, and it's rational and not, not emotional. Right. Uh, which is not right. to say that Mark, that Zuck isn't emotional. Of course. He's an emo- he does an, an emotional guy. He sort of gets sort of teased for, for coming across as robotic. But, right. uh But it, that's not him. I mean, he's actually a very caring individual. But he's principled in his in his leadership so that, you know, it, 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 you're going to get the same decision from him yesterday as you're going to get tomorrow. It's not going to be dependent on his mood. It's not going to be dependent on, uh, you know, what other people are saying about him or what other people are saying about the company. Uh, the second thing is he's very well researched. So, you know, he doesn't just happenstance on these principles. If he doesn't know how he should make a certain decision, he thinks about it and he reads about it and he learns about it. Or sometimes he decides these are decisions I'm not going to be good at and he hires other people to do it and he empowers them to make those decisions. That's how he got people like Cheryl and and Jay Parikh and Mike Schreffer and and other people that uh, have been a key part of making a lot of the decisions that have made Facebook what it is. Um, so he's, uh, you know, very, very much principled uh, in his approach. He he, is well researched. And then the, the last thing is that, you know, he, expects people to challenge him. He wants people to challenge him. He doesn't want a bunch of yes people uh, around around him. When I've been in the room with with Zuck and we're making tough decisions, one of the, the early experiences I had with him is that you know, we were trying to make a decision on what to do with a system that I was responsible for. And everybody wanted to go on one path. And I didn't really agree with that, but I hadn't said it yet. And he saw this in my face. He saw that I didn't agree with the decision. And he called me out and he gave me the floor. He said, Tim, you don't agree with this decision, do you? And And I said, no, I don't. And he's like, okay, well, tell me what. And I did. And he listened. And, you know, at the end of it, I said, I think there's a better way. And I think I need about two weeks to Prove that this better way would work, and if if not, we'll do it the way that everybody else wants to do it. Um, and he gave me the two weeks, and then we ended up doing the thing that I I was recommending. But you know, I think the key part of this is that one of his big things is making sure that he's got the right people around him that are willing to challenge him, say you know, say the things that are uncomfortable, and you know, he is going to either make a decision based on the principles that he's thought about. Or he's going to let you make the decision. He's not going to make a rash decision, an uninformed decision. Um, And I think he's still this way today.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing and you kind of alluded to this earlier. I think we're kind of seeing that with, you know, some of the stuff that's going on at Facebook now, you know, with a certain decision about, you know, uh, President Trump's, you know, Facebook posts and stuff like that. And once again, startup nation, we are an apolitical show. We do not kind of dive. That's not in our lane, but, I want to ask you this, if I may, Tim, if, you know, because when you're in the C-suite, you know, you're not only doing what you do as, you know, chief information officer at the time, but you're also like an advisor as well. And, and like you said, you know, Mark or Zuck, as you call him, you know, likes for you to kind of like challenge some of his, you know, uh, maybe processes or ways he goes about, you know, his principal uh, thinking and stuff like that. If you were still at Facebook today. You know, how would you advise him uh, as he navigates what going through what he's going through right now and Facebook and stuff like that? Because I imagine what he's going through is pretty difficult because, you know, you're trying to balance between, you know, what's harmful and free speech and stuff like that. So kind of share with me a little bit, if you would, uh, Tim. Yeah, it's a very tough question. Absolutely. Um, I know. And I
2: know. I, I'll start by saying that uh, I'm kind of glad I'm not there because <laughs> I think Fair the enough. challenge is that the company has had since I left are, are really hard and really right. tough. And right. they Absolutely. Uh, they need a, uh, you know, a class, of leader, which isn't uh, so much about growth and, and productivity and all that, but really about understanding society and, and empathy and things like that. And right. To answer your question, I think the, the one piece, I, mean, I think Zuck makes a lot of well-informed decisions. He's uh, as I said before, he's very principled and that's why he's, It makes a decision. He 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 has always been of the mindset that Facebook should not be in the editorial business, for example. So it shouldn't 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 pick sides, regardless of what the side is, and that can put the company on the opposite side of what the you know the popular belief is, um, because you know uh, it doesn't want to pick a side. But the one thing that I I have found after leaving Facebook that I, I think sometimes the people within the company struggle to see. And I would advise Zuck on is that, uh, you, know, you do have to look at the impact that you're having on society. Gotcha. Um, and, um, uh, you know, for myself, you know, I, I often ask my question, What makes, what makes me happy? Um, uh, what makes me feel good? And, uh, you know, when I first started working at Facebook, I loved using the product. I, I loved to see what my friends were doing, what other people in the company, uh, uh, were doing and and it just it brought joy to to, to me and you get you know I, I could stay in touch with people that i didn't live with anymore i used to live in central illinois and i used to uh i hadn't seen many of these people until i got reconnected to them on facebook and i loved that right but uh you know at some point i think that it the conversation started to shift okay. on facebook and it's it's not a place that i think many people get joy some people do gotcha. um but uh you know, it's often like who's got the fancier house and who's got the better vacation and who's got. And when you get into things like politics, who's right and who's wrong? And these are there's no right answer to these things. Right. Of but uh, they cause, you know, an emotional response. And I'm not sure that emotional response is always healthy and positive. So I, gotcha. I would encourage them to think a little bit more about uh, that in terms of the the impact that the company is having on society. But, uh, you know, these are very complicated questions. And, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that's kind of, we live in amazing times. You know, we've, we've never before in the history of mankind had the type of interconnection that we have, with the internet and you know with things like Facebook right. um, and uh, so we're figuring it out as a society along the way and that's uh, you know we're, we're gonna learn some things that might be uncomfortable and hard I think we have learned some things about how we relate to each other for example right and I think we, we all have to take responsibility for uh, you know taking that and then making adjustments with it and uh, and Facebook's no exception I think there might be some changes that uh, could make that product a little bit better for society.
0: I hear, I hear that. I'll stop there. No, no, for sure. For sure. Thank you uh, so much. I'm Go very, I'm ahead. I'm sorry. Very much a Facebook
2: fan and, I, you know, the company is a fantastic company, so I don't want my words to be misinterpreted
0: as uh, no, of, too of, much of, criticism. Of course. Of course not. And, and, and I was not trying to put you in a precarious, you know, position or anything like that. This, Like I said, I'm not an investigative journalist or anything, but I just thought you know, it, it was interesting to ask, you know, to kind of like how you would advise them and stuff like that. So I appreciate your, your willingness to answer and that transparency. I Appreciate that. We want to go ahead and transition. Once again, we're talking to Tim Campos, the co founder and CEO of Woven. And I'm actually going to kick it over to my uh, guest superstar here. Uh, So, as I said earlier, this episode is sponsored by Light Memphis. Let's innovate through. Education LightMemphis.org is the website. There's a uh, link in the show notes if you listen to the replay on the podcast. Now, Light Memphis is on a mission to equip African-American and Latinx students with 21st century skills to create wealth. And uh, they just recently had a pitch night. And one of my proud mentees uh, was one of those winners uh, of pitch night, Miss Oveny Garde. Evany, are you still there? I am. All right. If you would, just kind of, you know, I know you have a question to ask Tim, but before you do that, just kind of share with Tim, you know, about your pitch and your idea before you ask your question.
1: Yeah. So where this started, actually, my idea. So I'm taking, uh, I'm sure you've heard of this, advanced placement classes in high school. They're They're supposed to equip us for college and give us more opportunities with exams and college credit, things like that. So I was taking an AP computer science class this year, and my school had trouble finding a new teacher. Our teacher retired last year, and we just couldn't find a new one. So instead, the school got a grant to teach us an online course. So we would take AP Computer Science A as an online course. We would learn Java online, through videos, things like that. And at first it worked pretty well. It was self-paced. All the students could go at whichever um, pace they wanted. We could figure out what we wanted to do and when we were able to prioritize. But then as we started getting into harder and harder concepts, it was harder for us to learn the programming concepts. We didn't have anyone to ask questions to. We were just watching videos on playback that were recorded years ago. It was just really tough. And so, I was thinking, what would it be like if we had someone that we could just ask one or two questions without needing to pay monthly subscriptions or needing to hire a tutor? Maybe we just have a question or two about a project. So, my idea is a website that partners coding experts with students so that students can ask questions one-on-one and learn to solve the problems like by thinking computationally as opposed to just getting the answer and plugging it in. I like so, it. essentially, it's like a tutoring service, but the first few questions can be asked for free before students need to pay. And so it's just a way for kids to get help with their problems as opposed to having to hire tutors or online subscriptions.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. That is fantastic. Thank you. And you had a question for Tim.
1: Yes, I did actually. I was really interested in um, your journey as you left Facebook and you decided to create woven. What made you create that decision?
2: Yeah. So uh it kind of goes back to some of the things we've been talking about because I, I, I ask myself a lot, what makes me happy? Um, and, uh, in fact, Facebook asks us questions of their employees every six months. They do a engagement survey. And the question specifically is how much time do you spend on, on things that you love? Um, and I found that for myself that that question was, uh, that, that number was going down. That percentage is going down. And uh, you know, in the beginning of 2016, I, it caused me to really think, well, what do I, what do I love to do? What do I want to do? And I, what I loved is I love building the company. And I feel like I came to Facebook at a time where it was, um, it was kind of the corporate equivalent of a teenager. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a startup anymore. So it wasn't a baby. It could walk, it could talk, but it still hadn't learned how to, you know, be a a real business. And uh, by 2016, it had. It had become kind of a grown-up. And uh, the things that it had in front of it were less about company building and more about just becoming an even bigger behemoth than it already was. And what I wanted to do was to go into the in the opposite direction. I wanted to go create something from scratch, to create something new, which I couldn't do at Facebook, even though I really loved the company. Right. And that basically motivated me to uh, think about becoming an entrepreneur, to leave the company and to start something. Um, so that's what the initial uh, motivation was. And then in terms of the area, I spent a lot of time thinking about what matters to me and what is what would be something that would be worthy of spending the next, you know, five to ten years of my life on and uh uh and i i I spent a lot of time thinking about that which is what led me towards woven
0: all right startup nation so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break we gotta pay some bills once again my name is dominic lawson and you're listening to the startup life episode of the startup life is tucked in nice and tight by philip stein and the philip stein sleep bracelet startup nation getting quality sleep is super important especially for those of us as entrepreneurs i know for me if i don't get enough quality sleep not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why, Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEP and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by the Risk Management Society. Startup Nation, the Risk Management Society, or RIMS, is a global organization dedicated to the profession of risk, management. For nearly 60 years, RIMS has delivered the latest strategies and resources that allow risk professionals to grow, innovate, and succeed in any business. RIMS works with industry leaders to produce content and online training that business professionals turn to. Topics include business continuity, cyber risk, risk management techniques, the fundamentals of insurance, and more. There is also a private members-only site where people can discuss sensitive issues and get honest answers. Members have been leaning on each other as we all navigate this global pandemic. If you're concerned about the safety of your employees and the sustainability of your organization, you need the resources and connections RIMS provides. Learn more at go.rims.org forward slash startup life. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes. You can save 25% off a year long membership. So if you're ready to get the resources and strategies you need to manage risk, go with RIMS and join their global network of over 10,000 members across more than 60 countries. Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner, and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code TheStartupLife in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0. At manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything, go with Manscaped. Trust me, your family of jewels will thank you. All right, startup nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. And once again that brings us to Woven, uh where uh it started to reimagine how people use time so they can spend time on what matters most to them. Our their vision begins with scheduling but it extends well beyond that. So kind of share with us the Woven story and your your typical doctrine when it comes to productivity in the workplace.
2: Well, uh I mean as I said as as I was thinking about What I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to start a company, but that wasn't actually enough. I needed to have not just an idea, but I I wanted it to have a mission that I cared about. Um, And one of the things that I had always felt is that I always felt like I was running out of time. I always felt like I didn't have enough time to spend with my kids or to, uh, you know, focus on things that would be better for me, like exercise. And it was not really the right way to think about the problem because in some respects, uh, you know, you have as much time as you take for things. Uh, right. Time is really a choice. We all have the same amount of time. There's no difference between Mark Zuckerberg and me in terms of how many minutes he has in a day. I mean, the guy's worth a bazillion dollars. He still only has 24 hours in a day. Right. And same thing with me. Same thing with all of us. We all have the same amount of time. So what really matters is how we spend that time. And do we spend it on the things that matter most? And that, to me, was a problem that was interesting. How do I help other people spend time on the things that matter most to them? And that's what got me thinking about, um, well, well, where do we keep track of our time? You know, we got lots of these information systems to keep track of our friends on Facebook, to keep track of our messages in email, to keep track of, uh, you know, our notes and things like Evernote. Uh, we have uh, places to keep track of our photos. It's like uh, Apple Photos or Google Photos. We have all these different places. What's the place where we keep track of time? Well, the only place that I found that most people use or that many people use is the calendar. Gotcha. And then I started realizing, you know what? This piece of technology is ripe for disruption. It needs to be different. It's not enough for it to do what it does today because really it's like a diary it in fact, that's what it was you know before there was email, there was memoranda and it just got digitized so email became uh, the electronic memorandum you know before there were powerpoints, there were cellophane slides that's why they're called slides right uh, because because you people would really put them in the slide projector right. in order to d- display them so uh, the calendar was a diary. It, it was, if you wanted to do something on a particular day, you would write a piece of paper. I want to do this particular thing. I want to meet with somebody at this time. I want to get this, this job done. And, um, that got digitized. But that's really only a small piece of the uh, puzzle. The calendar, uh, as we know it today, keeps track of a uh, time, when it keeps track of a title of what. Uh, it keeps track of a location sometimes. Uh, and it keeps track of who we're doing with it. That would be participants. And sometimes it, it, it includes some instructions of how to get into an event. That would be the description. That's it. There's nothing inside of your calendar that says, did you spend time on what matters most? There's no way to answer that question with your calendar. It doesn't even know what matters most to you. Right. And it certainly doesn't know what you're actually spending your time on. So that's what I wanted to address with Woven is uh, to, to take where the calendar stops and complete it, help it complete its mission to become this part of our lives that can help us choose to spend time on the things that make a difference. And everybody's choices here are going to be different. Like, you know, I want to spend time on my company. I want to spend time with my family. Somebody else may want to spend a lot of time. You know, in a uh, philanthropic endeavor, other right. people may just want to spend time, you know, caring for other people. Um, everybody's choices here are different and there's no right or wrong to it. I don't want to, um, you know, suggest that, uh, everybody should be starting companies, for example, but, um, we do all have goals. And if we can achieve those goals by being a little bit more deliberate and, um, on how we're spending our time on, and on what we are spending that time, then, we uh, can achieve the things that we're trying to accomplish in life. And that's ultimately what Woven is all about. Um, and it does this by trying to become a more intelligent version of your calendar, helping you schedule and put things um, uh, on, your, uh, on the calendar. It also helps you keep track of where you're spending your, your time. What are the types of things that uh, you're spending your time on? Uh, and with this, we help people to make better decisions about how to uh, organize and run their lives, which ultimately helps them to become more productive.
0: I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And that website startup nation is woven.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay on the podcast, or you can just go to your app store, whether it be, you know, the Apple app, the Apple store or the Google play store and download the woven app. I actually have downloaded the woven app myself and I love the usability and how easy it is to use. But you know, Tim, if you would just kind of share some of the features it has, like I know I was kind of interested in the availability sharing and the Group holes.
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest problems with spending time, if you're trying to do something, whether it's a dinner party with friends or you're trying to coordinate an important uh, a meeting in order to make a decision, is, uh, is scheduling. Scheduling is a very time consuming part of using a calendar. Uh, in fact, the busiest people in the world have to hire a full time professional. They're called administrative assistants executive assistants to do nothing other than calendar for them. And um, so we wanted to build some technology to just make this simpler. Uh, and it starts with, uh, you know, we have uh, s- uh, some scheduling technology that allows you to schedule an event on your calendar with something just as simple as a, as a link, you know, the same kind of link that you might share for going to a website or accessing a, a document right. uh, you can share with other people, which is here's access to my calendar um, so that you can schedule time with me. And these links are really smart. They can not only um, configure themselves to uh, describe the event the way that you want, color it, uh, include other people if necessary, but they can also uh, look across your um, calendars. So if you've got like a work calendar and a personal calendar, it can make sure that you're free on both before time is offered to somebody else. Right. And as you pointed out, sometimes... You know, you're trying to coordinate with several people, so you need input from them. Right. Uh, You need, you know, five different people to say, you know, which of these different times is going to work for them. And so, uh, woven includes a feature to allow people to, um, vote or poll on, uh, on times, uh, so that you can find the time that works best for people. Um, so it all comes down to this really magical capability, which is a scheduling link. Uh, that's easy to share, easy to create, and very smart and very powerful for uh, scheduling meetings with other people.
0: Absolutely, thank you for sharing that. You, you know, you know, like I said, we're all looking forward to trying to get some of that time back and stuff like that. And and we always hear about people having like you know productivity hacks and calendar hacks and stuff like that. How, how do you feel about stuff like that? One of the
2: easiest
0: and most powerful
2: productivity hacks. Um, this is the mo- like this is the, the the number one nugget for your your listeners. You get what you spend time on. You you will accomplish what you spend time on. Gotcha. The easiest way to do that is to schedule that time. Put it on the calendar and right. hold yourself accountable to doing it. If I want to go to the gym three times a week, put it on your calendar and use your calendar to remind you that oh yeah, I'm supposed to, go to the gym today. I want to do that. You know, first thing in the morning and make sure that you do it. Behold yourself um, to that just the same way that you would if you put a meeting with somebody else. You're going to actually show up to that meeting. Um, And so time blocking and using the calendar to allocate your time on things that really matter is one of the best things that you can do to be more productive. It just helps you retain focus on what it is that you want to accomplish. Maybe it's putting together this really important pitch deck for uh, a new entrepreneurial venture that you're uh, creating. Maybe it is um, following up with friends that you haven't contacted in a while. Maybe it is uh, completing this really important task at at work. When you put it on the calendar, you have a much greater tendency to actually do it because now you're using the calendar to remind you and you're not going to put something else on there. So it really encourages you to be focused and organized and disciplined about how it is that you're trying to spend your time. Because like I said, it's the most valuable asset we have. There is only 24 hours in a day. Most people sleep for six to eight of those uh, hours. On top of that, you got to eat, you've got to, you know, spend time with others. So it really only comes down to, you know, 40 hours or so a week of time that you can allocate to something that you really want to, to do. Usually that's your profession. So how are you going to allocate that time? What What are you going to do? And answering that question for yourself in a deliberate and proactive manner will help you achieve those goals.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I got a quick follow up question because I, I was on, uh, I came across an article from com uh, where you was, uh, you, ha- it talks about your pitch deck, uh, with you and your, uh, co-founder, Burke Arpat. Uh, you know, you, you came up with this, uh, pitch deck. What goes into a great pitch deck? What goes into a great pitch, mind you? Because we have a lot of startup founders who have to go through that process to try to get the, get that startup capital to get those investment dollars. So kind of yeah, share well, a I think- bit about
2: that. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough process. And I think the first thing that goes in is grit (laughs) and courage. Gotcha. You're not going to see those on the slide, but they're the most important things because at the end of the day, most people, particularly for the early stage of the company, they're not investing in a PowerPoint slide. They're investing in you. So they want to know who you are Why is it that you are going to be able to accomplish what you say you're going to accomplish? What is that? And then how does that create you know a business outcome that might be attractive for their investment, whatever their object investment thesis is? Um, So it really starts with the character attributes of the individual. Now, within that, when you start building out these slide decks, I, I find that the most important thing to lead with is who is the team? Who are the people that are going to be building this company? Because that establishes credibility. I mean, if I were to come to you and to say, hey, I would like to have uh, a billion dollars to create a spaceship to go to Mars. And the person who's going to be running this company is Copper the dog you would never give me a dollar.
0: Right, of course.
2: If I go and I said the exact same thing, and I said the person who's going to be running this company is Elon Musk, you'd right. be like, oh my gosh, yeah. you've got the right guy. Absolutely. Where take, do I sign up?
0: Take all of my money.
2: <laughs> so it it, it, it matters, which is not to say that everybody has to be an Elon Musk. Of when course, you're describing who the team is, it's not whether they're famous or not. It's right. whether what have they accomplished in their life. Of course. And what is a part of their accomplishments that are relevant to the company. So in my case, you know, I was the CIO of two companies. My job was to drive the productivity of workforces. So I know productivity. I am a productivity expert. I have achieved productivity goals for two fortune 500 companies. So that gave me credibility. My co-founder is an incredibly accomplished engineer. So you talk about his PhD that he got from Stanford and the fact that uh, he's, you know, worked at companies like Facebook and Google and he has done a lot of very advanced artificial intelligence and machine learning. And so you're talking about what are the attributes that are relevant to the to the startup. So I start with the team. And what's the problem? Why do people care? And I find that this is a tricky one, especially if you're putting together a pitch deck for a business that is um, not well understood by your investors. You know, if I were to be creating a Supply chain business, not all investors are going to be experts in supply chain, but they might be interested in investing in me. So you have to frame the problems that exist that in in terms that people understand, Um, even when it's a a business that they do like calendars. Everybody understands calendars. You have to frame what are the problems with calendars that people know and recognize and care about? Um, What is it that you're what's your idea? What's the core thesis of what it is that you want to do? Um, how is that different? Uh, it's very important for that uh, difference to be defensible in some way. Like, if you're successful with this, you know, what, and somebody's going to want to copy it. Somebody's going to want to do the exact Absolutely. same thing. Is that going to be easy for them to do? Is there a first mover advantage? Are you going to have data that nobody else does? Do you have technology that nobody else does? Do you have a patent that nobody else does? So what is it that's defensible here? Because if you don't have a defensible business, you're not going to be able to drive a lot of profit and therefore it's not going to be a very valuable business. And if it's not going to be a very valuable business, it's going to be hard for somebody to, to, you know, want to invest too much uh, in this particular space. Um, and then the last thing is what are your goals? Like how are you going to be holding yourself accountable? You don't want to just say, Hey, give me a billion dollars and we're going to go to Mars. That's too big of a goal. Right? It's going to take a decade or two to go to Mars. So how are we going to do that? You got to break that down. What are we going to do this year? What are we going to do with this level of funding? What are the success criteria? And then how does that break down into even more granular milestones? And that what that does is it helps to de-risk the investment. I'm not just giving a billion dollars to you today to go to Mars. I'm giving, uh, you know, maybe it's a $100,000 to come up with a prototype idea that needs to be approved by NASA. Um, or, you know, I'm going to give you enough funding to build a calendar and startup to prove that the product will work and that people will use it. Um, and at a future phase, we're going to prove that we can create a business out of it. So that's like, I think the core ingredients that you want to have in these pitch decks, but I would uh, just reinforce that the most important aspect of the business are the people that are going to drive it and the stories that they have to tell about who they are, um, and not just who they are in terms of what they've accomplished, who they are and how they accomplish things, their character. Character attributes are incredibly difficult to fabricate. You can't make yourself what you aren't, but you can absolutely talk about what you are. And what you are often, there's everybody has something unique um, that defines uh, defines
0: them. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that for sure. Once again, we're talking to Tim Campos, the co-founder and CEO of Woven. And when you check out woven.com, there's also a blog uh, page there as well, where I saw some of the blogs and my I, one of the curious ones was one about eating frogs. I'm just going to leave it at there and let you kind of check that out, uh, Startup Nation. But also, it I, I love the type of culture uh, that they're building there at Woven, because when you just look at the onboarding process where they use a one-to-one personalized onboarding sessions to help you learn about how to use woven in the context of who you are and how you work and i think that's important uh, startup nation so make sure you go to woven.com check it out and make sure you go to the your app store uh, to download the woven app definitely want to put that in your entrepreneurial toolkit for our next question. We're actually going to take it over uh, to Avani uh, a little bit. So Avani, uh, take it away, ma'am.
1: All right. So I'm listening to your journey and I mean, you, you came from Facebook. So like, that's obviously a bigger company than a lot of people that are maybe trying to get into the startup business and be an entrepreneur. So um, looking back now, what advice would you give to yourself when you were just beginning to build your business? build woven and build your startup like if someone was in that same position what would you what advice would you give them today uh
2: a couple things uh the first thing before founding the company i i would want to make sure that i'm prepared um and the the biggest thing that um i have learned in this whole startup process is that it's not easy there's hard there are going to be days where you feel despondent, where you feel like a failure, where things aren't working. And you have to be prepared to make it through those days without giving up. Almost all startups that fail, fail because the business gave up or the founders gave up. If those founders didn't, and there's so many stories of companies that have almost died where the founders pushed through, and as a result, they are now big, amazing companies today, Um, they're just, there's countless examples of that. If, if you don't give up, you're going to make it. Um, so, but that takes grit and you have to be prepared for it. It's easy to say it's hard to go through. So that's the first thing I would, I would uh, advise myself on. Second thing, if I were to go back and redo everything, learn to get the value of your business squared away early. You know, whether that's a paywall or figuring out who your first sales, your customer is, um, you know, there is no, Nothing that focuses a business more than producing value for the customer, for whomever the customer is, and whatever value means to them it's you know in some places that might be money in other places it might be access to talent or people, but uh you know make sure that you have that value defined up front, and if people are paying you, then that means that they truly believe in the value because they're parting with their 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 sweat and treasure in order to achieve what your product is trying to achieve. So I would just advise people to consider doing that, um, uh, early third thing, think fast. Like, you know, startups are not about, you know, coming up and making the perfect product and everything is fantastic. You got to spend a lot of time, you know, polishing the edges. No, a lot of the polish doesn't matter if you don't have the right core product. So you got to think fast to learn, um, about you know what those things are and they're often not what you think they are uh, if you're open to that you're not going to fail if you think that you have it all figured out up front uh and you're unwilling to uh see the um, the, the fact that you might be wrong on something uh you're going to create a lot of pain for yourself uh so you, those are really the the core pieces of advice um, that I would I would give myself it's interesting, you know, after you go through the entrepreneurial journey, what, how, what I just shared, what that might mean to you, how that compares to how people who haven't gone through the journey yet, um, react to it. Uh, there's, uh, there's a difference between the mind and the heart, uh, what the mind knows and what the heart feels, uh, are, are, are two very different things. And in this case, it's easy for me to impart knowledge to your mind, but, uh, many of these things you kind of have to feel. You have to feel them uh, by going through them yourself.
1: Right. Experience is the best teacher. Absolutely. It really does nice take you through it. Yeah, I like what you said about fast thinking, especially because I know so many businesses businesses have had to pivot during this coronavirus and try to figure out how to get their product out in different ways. I feel like that's really relevant, especially now.
2: This author, Jim Collins, wrote a great book about luck. And the key question is, does luck make a difference? Like, you, you have to be lucky. Uh, and the answer is, you don't have to have good luck to be fortunate, to be successful. What you have to do is be able to respond to any kind of luck, whether it's good luck or bad luck. If it's good luck, do you get to take advantage of it. If it's bad luck, do you mitigate the impact? Um, that's the difference between good leaders and mediocre leaders, is good leaders respond to the, the luck event. Um, and uh, uh, so it was a great insight from this uh, gentleman that I have uh, tons and tons
0: of respect for. Hey, Startup Nation. So today's content ran a bit over and I don't want to get in trouble with my radio partners. So go to the startup dot com and catch the bonus content from today's episode. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. If you want to let us know what you think about our show have an idea for a show topic or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, startup nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.